like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? I'm Gammy. And I'm her husband, Rodney. And this is Positively Gam. How you doing, babe? Doing good. A little cold here, though. Yeah, see, you should be out here with me and our new addition to the family, Duchess. (laughs) Duchess is giving me hell. That's all I can say. For the listeners, Rodney and I have a new addition to our family, We got a puppy. I had a chihuahua that we had, that I had for 14 years. And Bitsy passed in October of 2020. And I have been, you know, I just, I had to like take a minute from that because I really loved Bitsy a lot. I had him for 14 years and I just wasn't ready to get any, anything new. And then we went on a uh, rescue website and found Dutchie. And so, yeah, we we found Dutchie on the SPCALA website, and she is a, a Chihuahua Terrier mix. I can look at her and see that she's going to be bigger than Bitsy was. Bitsy was our Chihuahua, but she's definitely going to be bigger than Bitsy was because Bitsy had those little tiny legs, those tiny, delicate legs and feet. He was only like five pounds, and she's definitely chunkier than that. She's almost three months old. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to have her. But it is going to be challenging going back to that puppy stage of housebreaking, crate training, all of that, you know. But I signed up for it, so. I'm just really glad that we could find a dog that needed a home and give him one as opposed to just getting something that everybody else wants. Right. As opposed to taking, finding something that nobody wanted and loving it. Right. Okay, so moving on. I'm so excited. Today we have Nedra Glover-Tawab. Her book, Set Boundaries and Find Peace. For those of you who are Red Table Talk fans, she joined us on Red Table Talk. So I am so excited to have her back on to delve a little bit deeper into boundary setting because when I read the book for a second time, I really, really, there were some points that really struck me personally. So I'm excited to talk to her. How do you feel about having Nedra on? This will be your first experience. I'm excited to meet her and to hear all of her, to hear her expertise on boundaries. Uh, I think that's really important in everyone's life and, um, you know, setting them as well as adhering to them. So 
I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so let's get started. Here's our interview with Nedra. We're so excited to have you, Nedra. We have Nedra Glover-Tawab as our guest. Nedra is a licensed therapist, sought-after relationship expert, and author of Set Boundaries, Find Peace. Every day, she helps people create healthy relationships by teaching them how to implement boundaries. And I bet we all could use some help with that. How are you today, Nedra? I am well. How are you all? I am so excited to have you back. I know this is the first time Rodney has experienced you, but you were, and the audience may not know that you were a guest on Red Table. And let me tell you, that experience, it just wasn't enough for me. And I was like, I've got to have her on Positively Gam. Reading your book is like... It's like a therapy session, truly. It's it's so much helpful information in there, and for me personally. So I want to ask you, what drew you to therapy as a career path? I feel like I have been an easy person to talk to always. Like in childhood, as a teenager, I loved listening to people. I've always been a student of personal development and self-help. So I really naturally like to listen to people. And professionally, I didn't grow up knowing any therapists. I knew about psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. I knew about a lot of other things. But when I started college and I discovered therapy, I was like, that's it. After my first client, that first session, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, this This is is what you were meant to do. Yeah, this is what I like to do anyway. I used to get in trouble in school for, you know, starting conversations to listen and, you know, all that stuff. So this is very natural for me. So what made you interest in boundaries specifically as an area to like explore and expound on and study? Again, I think this is something I started early and it's not what's taught to therapists. We're not taught about the importance of boundaries, assertiveness, but boundaries can really break a lot of generational patterns that I saw in families. I used to be a therapist with children in foster care and their parents. And so many of those stories, I was just like, well, why didn't you tell the uncle he couldn't live here? Or why was this, you know, I just had so many questions because there was such a huge lack of boundaries that I thought, you know, I wonder if we have more information around the ability to say no to our family, ability to say no to family, friends, and all of this sort of stuff, would we be better off? But I don't think that's the thing that's taught because we are often taught that saying no is mean, it's inappropriate, it's not what we should do, that's your cousin, this is your that. And sometimes those things create bigger problems. Like I said, I was working in foster care. So some of those lack of boundaries were creating huge issues in the family. Yeah, boundaries with family and friends can be the most difficult. But I want to ask you, Rodney, how do you feel about boundaries you set in work and in your personal life? Do you think it's easier for you to set boundaries in work? I think it is easier for me to set boundaries in work. I think it's typically easy for me anyway. I'm sort of a private person, so I think the boundaries work in reverse for me. I kind of don't let people in. So I may suffer in relationships as a result of that, but I'm very private. But at work, you know, I I, I own a company. I, actually, we're kind of in the same area. I own a a mental health agency. So we have therapists and all of those things on staff. And, you know, I find that people want their needs met, whether it's clients, staff, whomever. So they'll typically, if they get the wrong answer from one of their direct reports, they'll circumvent that process and try to come to me to get what it is they want. And I just think that's human nature. Most people just want, you know, to get their needs met. Mm-hmm. Nedra, do you think that there are certain personality types that find it more difficult to set boundaries? Personality types, absolutely. I have been asked if there are certain 
boundary differences between men and women. And as as Rodney was speaking, I was like, I hear men being more assertive. And we know that for women, it could be really challenging to set boundaries in the workspace, in families. You know, you'd be labeled the mean auntie. You'd be, you know, you'd be labeled the the mean lady at work. You know, Mm -hmm. all of this sort of stuff. And that really gets to women in a way that it it just doesn't get to me. And I can even think of like parenting. You know, women feel some sort of way about denying their child an extra piece of candy. You know, the dad Mm -hmm. is just like, no, that's it. And you like, oh, but it's just a Kit Kat. You know, it's just something about us. And I just be wanting to take it out and throw it away sometime. Like, just take this bleeding heart out. I just, I don't (laughs) want it. So when I went over the book again, some things really stuck out to me, for me personally. And I don't think that before I read the book that I ever thought about setting boundaries on how you respond and react to things is a choice. I I never thought about that in that way. And let me give you an example. This is something that Rodney and I have been dealing with in our relationship and some boundaries that he has set with me. Because when I get angry, the way I respond is to holler and cuss. So I'm going to scream at you, holler at you, and I'm probably going to cuss you out. Rodney doesn't tolerate that, but that's what I'm used to doing. And I never realized that until I listened to your book, that is a choice that I've made to respond that way. And that I can make a choice to respond differently. And it's been a struggle for me because Rodney does not tolerate that. And so I had to find another way. But in me trying to find another way, I told him, you remember, Rodney, I said, well, you're preventing me from expressing my anger. So I feel like that's going to be detrimental to me because now I'm going to be have all this anger inside of me that I can't get out because you don't want me to yell at you. But that's but I'm releasing that emotion. Mm. Right. That's one so, expression of anger. Yeah. but I, th- Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I had to really when I read the book, I had to really think about it because I'm like, well, I don't throw things. I don't hit him. So I'm making a choice to holler. I'm making a choice not to hit him or not to hit anybody Mm -hmm. that I'm angry with. You know what I mean? And I never thought about it that way. Can you recommend ways for people to find ways to set boundaries on how they react and respond to things? How do you train yourself, I guess, is my question. I wonder sometimes when we respond with anger, with yelling, with hitting, with punching Mm -hmm. holes in a wall and those sort of things. How is that different from kicking our shoes off in a restaurant if we get upset? How Mm -hmm. is that different from, you know, road rage? How is that different from all these things that we're actually controlling ourselves? You know, these scenarios, we're controlling our behavior. Yeah, So why in this situation am I I now making the choice with this safe person that I love to really let it out on them? Mm -hmm, If I can mm -hmm. control myself in a restaurant, in the car, when I'm talking to, you know, my friend, I can control myself with this person, too. And a lot of those tools are going to be the same. There's something you telling yourself in those moments. There's another behavior you're tapping into other than cussing and screaming. So whatever you're doing in those scenarios, you can apply it here. But I think you can get your anger out by speaking about it, using different words, because it's not just anger, it's frustration, it's Mm -hmm. feeling hurt, it's sadness, it's a lot of stuff in there. And if we say just anger, 
I think of anger as this emotion that's a safe and easy go-to. And it seems so hardcore to be angry. I mean, it's just like, I'm angry. And it's like, yes, but don't you want to cry too? Yeah. Except, no, you're so right. You're yeah. so right. Because that's what I be tried to explain to him, that I'm frustrated. I, I have so many emotions going on right now. I know you want to say something, Rodney. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's learned behavior too. I think uh-uh. that that is how you let me finish. I think that is how you responded in previous relationships. So when you heard similar or when you were um, confronted with certain conversation, a lot of times I think it was a defense mechanism as well as just this is how I respond in this situation typically, and didn't really give a lot of thought to it. It's just, you say this, I say that. I don't, you know, I don't feel like you. And I would always have to remind you, hey, we're, we're just having conversation. I know. And I would hate like, we're not arguing. I don't, I'm not, this is not anything to argue about. We're just having conversation. And why are you getting so elevated? And then you would kind of like, okay, yeah, you're right. Or we would not be able to have the conversation because right. I wouldn't talk to you when you were like that. Yeah. And then an hour or two later, you'd come back and you say, you know, I thought about it. And, and we were able to have that conversation, you know, like like human beings. Right. But what was it about you or, or what were you feeling? I mean, why was that a boundary? Because your, your boundary was you're not going to talk to me that way. Because I feel like I require and deserve a level of respect. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to treat you in that way. And But nor am I going to allow you or anyone else to kind of, you know, talk to me and demean me in that way in that way either. And I felt like most of the time, 99% of the time, we weren't talking about anything that required a response of anger and frustration. It was... I I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that a lot of time. And I feel like that there's a little bit of gaslighting in there. You're deciding for me what's important and what I I should have feelings about it. Huh? I didn't say it wasn't important. I said it didn't require that level of elevation. So what I hear is you you all respond in different ways, right? For you, Rodney, it seems like there are certain situations that require this, and there are certain situations that could be here. And I wonder, you know, because we express feelings in different ways, my situations that you may think are here could be here, right? Mm-hmm. Like all, we all feel different things at different times. But if there is a situation where you are yelling and screaming, how else can that be expressed? Yelling and screaming to me indicates I want to be heard. I want to be heard. Listen to me. What I'm saying is important. Please don't dismiss me. I will say it louder. I will scream. I will cuss. I will do everything for you to hear me. Right. I agree. Yeah. And I do think that... You know, in my previous relationships and growing up, looking back over, over, because I'm the youngest and I do have a history of just feeling like I was never heard, that my opinions weren't respected Mm -hmm. or people didn't really feel like I had anything to say. Mm -hmm. So that could explain why I react the way I do. And you are right, Rodney. I would, that is a behavior I was used to. But when you first said it, that it was learned, I thought you meant that I had learned that I saw that in like maybe my parents or something like that. And that wasn't true. No, no, they didn't argue at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So that makes sense to me, Nedra, that, yeah. That I'm feeling like I'm I'm not being heard. And so I get very elevated. I wonder if the boundary for you, Gammy, is I need to feel heard. So when we're talking, this is what I need from you. Mm -hmm. And what are those things? Like, you know, eye contact, you to put a hand on my leg, you to give vocal indication that you understand. Like, I understand you. I hear you. Like, what are those things so that... I'm not, you know, going back to this behavior of yelling because I see that you are listening to me, that you are valuing what I'm saying in these moments. 
I don't even think it was that with Rodney. I think I just automatically went there. There's a lot of different emotions happening at the same time. So there's frustration, there's anger, there's hurt, there's all of those emotions. And so I immediately go into that high level of response. And I'm just retraining myself now because I see that where it was acceptable with other people is not acceptable with him. And he's actually correct that we hear each other better if we're talking. And if I'm not screaming and if I'm calm, then I can hear him and he can hear me. So, but yeah, it's still... And it doesn't happen. I mean, it was almost like a guarantee at one point when we first got together. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't happen that often anymore. Mm-mm. So... No, I'm doing so much better. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast podcast network iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is your advice for setting boundaries with getting other family members involved in relationships? Like, you know, I don't necessarily, we don't necessarily think it's a good idea 
when you may have, oh, well, I would say other family and friends into personal relationship issues. And then everybody's got to put their two cents into it. I don't think that's such a good idea. I think it's a terrible idea because what happens is we are still very mad at Rodney. Meanwhile, you and Rodney holding hands, y'all going on vacation. <laughs> and I'm still thinking about two years ago when Rodney came over here and you were so mad you left the house. I can't get over it like you because I'm not having all of these positive experiences with your partner. And so if you really want me to be fair and balanced in your relationships, there are some things that I don't need to know about your relationship because mm-hmm. that that is your information perhaps to work out for sure with your partner, maybe with the therapist, maybe there is some other person in your life, but with your close friends and family, that could be tough because they don't let things go like you do. Yeah. Yeah. What advice do you share with your clients when they come to you and say they don't have good boundaries in general with their family or close friends? I'll give you an example about I have a friend. Well, I've had a, I've had this a couple of times in my life where friends have come to borrow money, right? And, you know, I would do it a couple of times. And I already understand that typically if I'm lending money, I already have in my mind that I'm not going to get it back. So I'm not going to lend you anything that if I can't afford to do it. But still, I felt like this person was constantly coming, borrowing money. And I just, it's just not a good idea. I I didn't want the friendship to be based on that. I didn't feel like I'm not the bank. I'm not, I don't want anyone to rely on me for that. You know, I'm not the fixer. And so setting a boundary with that was, it was difficult for me because they were friends. And I kind of ended up, putting it on Rodney and saying that. <laughs> well, I know, ba- my I know husband he set doesn't... the boundary. <laughs> exactly. And I want mine back. <laughs> you need all yours. <laughs> but so how do, you, how do you deal with those situations? I think you mentioned bank. And I think about a bank. When you want to borrow money from the bank, they have a loan application, Correct. What's on your loan application? (laughs) Like, I I just wonder, like, what is your criteria for loaning money? And that's what I talked about. Like, when they get in these situations of loaning money, what is your criteria? You are only helping these situations. You will only go up to this amount. It It has to be paid by by this time. The person has to actually have a relationship with you where they check on you, you check on them. Like it is some healthy back and forth happening here. Is this a crisis? Like what is your criteria for loaning people money? Most of us go into it with no criteria. We just trust in a person. You know, here's $200. Just give it back to me when you can. I don't know a bill collector on this earth that puts when you can on a bill. <laughs> That's not right. a date. They they want it by the 15th. If after the 15th is $20 extra, what is your criteria? If you're going to loan the money, you have to go into it with this is my expectation. And sometimes it's, you know, I understand this is a tough situation, particularly when we're helping people through a crisis. I'm not loaning this money. I'm giving you a gift. You know, you can say that to people so they're not dodging you or, you know, all of these interesting things people do when they owe you money. But if you want to loan, go into it with these are my boundaries and this is my expectation. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I never did that. I never felt like I, I have to say that I never felt like the ask was frivolous. There was always a need, but I did not have any, I never even asked to be paid back. I I never even asked for that. Because I just feel like if people are asking for it, they probably just don't have it anyway. So I never even asked for the money back. I just typically don't do that. And now I just don't loan money anymore. I just got to that point where I just, I don't do it. 
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast, I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk just a little bit about why it is so difficult. What is it that makes it so difficult to set boundaries with close friends and family in particular. I find that so difficult. We care about the relationship and we care what the person thinks. And with family, the relationships are so intertwined. If you upset this one person, it upsets five people. Right. If you say no to this one person, they're going to call their mama. Then their mama going to be calling your mama and then the auntie at your door. And I mean, <laughs> the stuff is just so connected where it's just like, yeah, you could come stay over here because you'd rather not even hear the whole thing about it. But you need to be in the per- the person in the family. Most of us need to be the person in the family because there is one in most families where you know you know, no, not uncle or not auntie. So, like, they are very clear. No, we. I don't cook for Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> no, you cannot come over here with your doll. Like, they are very clear 
about these things? How do you become hopefully one of many people who can speak those things and not necessarily just not care because we do care, but also speak those things, care and continue to speak them because there are some things that you don't like. There are some preferences that you do have and it should certainly be okay to have those preferences in the relationships with the people that we are closest to, to the relationships that we really value. I don't want to be known well by a bunch of strangers. Mm -hmm. I want the people who live in my home, the people who, you know, I talk to most often to understand who I am. So when you set boundaries with people, is it a matter of when you're setting the boundaries that you're explaining the why? Is that nice? Is that helpful? Is that necessary? That can be challenging, particularly in families, because they can talk you right out of that why. They know a lot mm. of stuff about you and your history and who you dated before Rodney and how they helped you one time with your graduation dress. I mean, just all this stuff. So if you start getting into stuff, people will pull their stuff out too. Mm. And so is it useful to give an explanation? Because sometimes that explanation can really pull our boundary apart. If you say, I don't want to come to your party because my car is in the shop. They'll say, well, call an Uber. Oh man, I got to call an Uber. You, You just didn't want to go to the party. Like that was the response. And so creating all these other things will then again put you in a situation that you didn't want to be in. So then is it more about just knowing what you want and what your limits are and just standing strong in that and being okay with it? Plain and simple. (laughs) It's just, it's adult behavior. In families, what typically happens, I am the youngest child and I am the youngest cousin of all my Mm -hmm. first cousins. And so I get a lot of, oh, little Nedra, you know, just... (laughs) Right, 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 right. I feel that. Yeah, and you... And and them them seeing me as an adult, they you know they kind of clear the path because I'm making these statements of like, no, I don't want. It's like okay, she has a voice, but people will remind you of your role in the family. We know mm-hmm. that the baby is supposed to like listen to all these big people. Right. We know that the the oldest is supposed to tell everybody what to do. So right, to shift right. those roles around, we are now like making ways. And so it is okay to do that because whether you are the 40-year-old baby or, you know, the 50-year-old baby, you're still an adult. (laughs) You a baby adult. So I'm not a baby 12-year-old. Now I'm an adult and I have some understanding of what I want for my life. I am the oldest, but I am an adult. I am the middle. I'm an adult. I'm a cousin, but I'm somebody mama. You know, you have to really assert your yourself in a family system. Yeah. Rodney, did you, I see you shaking your head. Did you want to add something to, to any of that? Yeah, I was just thinking that, you know, a lot of times it's, you don't have boundaries or let me speak for myself. In certain situations, I don't have boundaries because I'm I'm concerned about what other people think. And it's it's more so putting myself first and foremost. And, you know, not that I'm not concerned, the most important person in the room. Got it. So that makes it easier for you when you think about it, it in those terms, you mean? Right. Got it. Does that make sense, Nedra? Absolutely. And that's the energy that most people have when they are setting boundaries with you. They are the most important person in the Mm -hmm. room. And we have to think about not only how this impacts other people, but how does this impact me? Okay, so the last boundary that I really want to get into, because once again, in reading the book, it really brought up some personal emotions and some understanding about myself. And that is boundaries that you set for yourself, right? And it involves people pleasing and self-betrayal and self-sabotage. And I think when I read it, I didn't even realize my own behavior, right? My own negative talk and the thoughts that go on in my head 
that contribute to my low self-esteem issues, right? And like making disparaging comments about myself to myself and to others. Like I just didn't even realize until, that's why I said reading your book was like a therapy session. Mm. So... Give me an example of you doing that. Say, like saying something. I do it all the time. I'm constantly telling myself, oh, you, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. I, I, listen, something as simple as I took, and I just rewatched the tape the other day. I'm, I'm a stepper, right? A mm-hmm. Chicago stepper. Mm-hmm. I love dance. And I recently took a private dance lesson with an instructor whose dance I really admire. And he was talking to me and showing me some steps that I could incorporate into my dance that would change my dance. And I was like, oh, well, I don't, I think I I could only do it now because you were counting it out for me. If you weren't counting, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that. And he was like, what are you saying? You just did it. How about let me show you that I can do it without you counting? Mm. I automatically went into, I can't do that. And I'm constantly telling myself that I'm not a good dancer. I can't do this. I can't do that. Oh, they don't want to hear me. They don't want to see me. It was very difficult for me even to like, just to transition into Red Table was very challenging. I mean, it still is. I, I just have this negative talk in my head that I don't think that people really want to hear what I have to say. I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, oh, just mm. constantly all this negative talk. When I hear those cans, I think about all the things that you've already achieved and accomplished. I don't know if you remember this about yourself, but perhaps you remember it about Jada or Willow or Jaden. How we can't do a lot of stuff. We can't walk. We can't talk. We can't hold our heads up. Right. We can't. Oh, my gosh. We are born with can'ts. And every time we master it, it's a victory. Little kids are often, I mean, you you ever see a baby find their hand, how wonder it is? It's just like, just buttoning their shirt. It's like, oh, my gosh. I just, come here. Come look. I just button my... I think about all of the things that we haven't been able to do and all of the things that we mastered. Like that just makes, that just warms my heart to think about how wonderful we are and how we do have the ability always to learn something new, to apply something different. We're already accomplished. You've already done a lot. If you could curl your own hair, you're a master because there's a lot of people who can't. So there are so many things that we can do and that can't is not necessary and is not useful. Yeah. And that that I can't narrative that I constantly have in my head is very discouraging and it's really tiresome. Mm-hmm. I'm getting tired of my damn self. <laughs> but you can because you you're constantly learning stuff. You're doing Red Table. You're on a podcast. So it's like you're saying can't, but I see your behavior doing something else. Right. Yeah. So I guess I, I have to learn how to be more gentle and kind to myself. Yeah, that's who you need to cuss out, that voice in your head. (laughs) (laughs) You need to cuss out that can't voice in your head. (laughs) As we start wrapping up, there's a couple of things that I want to bring up. You said in your book, too, was that boundary setting is never about other people. It is about yourself. And I think that's important. That's really important to understand. So if I'm setting a boundary, it's about me. It's not about you. If I'm setting a boundary with you, it's, it doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with me. Because mm-hmm. I, I had a situation where I was setting some boundaries for myself with other people, right? Other people in my life but it didn't have anything to do necessarily with the other people. It had to do with me, right? And that was really hard for other people to understand. But your boundaries are really for you. 
for and about you? I think about the example you just use in terms of like drinking, right? So if you Mm -hmm. say to your group of friends, hey, I'm not drinking socially anymore. I'm I'm going to cut back. I don't want to drink. Now, some people, they will personalize it. Oh, ain't nothing wrong with... That is absolutely a boundary that's for you. You're not in that space trying to say, you know, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. But for me and for what I want for my life, I am choosing not to do this. It is not an indictment on what you choose to do in your life. Thank you so much, Nedra, for joining Rodney and I. You have a bunch of resources on your website, including this fantastic book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace. I'm telling you, set boundaries, find peace. Do yourself a favor and pick up a copy of this book or listen, get it on audio. I'm telling you, it is a... It'll change your life. I'm telling you, it is (laughs) life-changing. Tell people where they can find you on social media to learn more about you and boundary setting, Nedra. I am on most social media platforms, but in particular, Instagram at Nedra Tawab. Thank you so much, Nedra. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. pleasure. That was a really great conversation with Nedra, wasn't it, babe? It absolutely was. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you to the listeners, this book is life-changing and I would seriously, seriously encourage you to get it. But moving on, we have some fan questions to answer, babe. The fans want to know, who is your favorite sports team? So I'm a big basketball fan, but I don't really have a team. I just love the game. Football, it'd have to be because I'm from Baltimore, it's the Ravens. But I also like the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, since you're... Yeah, since we back and since forth. Since you're... <laughs> I'm half and half. Yeah, you're half and half. We're bi-coastal, <laughs> so... Well, I and I actually don't have a, a favorite... I don't have a favorite team, but my favorite sport is basketball. That is my favorite sport. Okay, and then the second question is, what is your the favorite your favorite trait about your partner? Hmm. Good luck on that. I'd have to say that you're my best friend. That that friend trait that you have. Mm. Being a friend is not a trait. Okay. Back <laughs> but, to anyway, the <laughs> but anyway. But anyway, because my answer is not really a trait either. It's the favorite. It's what I like about you. Favorite, the best. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite thing about. So you. we're going to change the change the question a little Trait bit. So, yeah. To thing. Yeah. So I think the thing that I like about you the best when it comes to me is that you and I've said this before. I love that you accept me as I am. Right. And that doesn't mean that there's no room for growth in me and there's not things that I need to change. But at the at the core, you love me for who I am. And that is extremely, extremely important to me because that has not been my experience in the past. At least that's not what I felt in the past from other partners. So I thoroughly appreciate that from you. And then there is a trait. (laughs) You said, oh, there is a trait in you that that I like too, and that is I do like your your calm. Your typ- typically you are a person until I start driving. Yeah, yeah, that that's a whole different thing because you too, you're off the chain when it comes to driving. You think you're on a raceway all the time, and you're not. Road ragey. Yeah, yeah. But so those are the things that I like about you the best. Enjoying this episode of Positively Gam? Then subscribe to the Positively Gam series to catch up on all of season two. And that's our show for this week. That is Positively Gam. You can follow me online at Gammy Norris. And you can follow me at I am Rodney Norris. Help us out by leaving a five-star review on iHeartRadio app or Apple Podcasts and by hitting the follow button on Spotify. You can submit your questions to PositivelyGam at RedTableTalk.com for a chance to hear me answer them on a future episode. Stay grateful, y'all, and thanks for listening. 
Talk to you later, babe. Bye, love. Positively Gam is produced by Red Table Talk Podcast and iHeartRadio. Executive producers are Adrian Banfield-Norris, Fallon Jethro, and Jada Pinkett-Smith. Our audio engineer is Calvin Bailiff. And our associate producer is Irene Bischoffberger. Our theme song is produced by D.B. like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.